0: I never give up I never
1: give up I never give up hi guys welcome back to nef inspiration my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me your host Stefan Neff today is another fantastic day and it's going to be an amazing day because I have had up till now about 390 guests and we've talked about anything from from to survivors from holocaust to to all the kind of addictions i can think about uh everything but the one thing as men we've never spoken on this show about is actually the porn addiction and it's it's going to be a very amazing interview for me because ultimately i was born 66 uh, in the 80s in germany sex was basically everywhere it was normal to have your playboy have normal your hustler and whatever the, the 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 things were that was how a young man grows up and it's just bizarre so to now come uh, down the line to 2023 and actually uh, shine a light on the impact of porn onto men's masculinity. Um, that will be an interesting journey, um, probably something that uh, will rattle my cage a bit, but I'm I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm bring it on, because I have got JK Emissy with me. JK is a man who uh, has been himself in the darkness and has found ways and in fact, actually created a system to help men um, address their addiction to porn. And therefore, I can't wait
0: to talk to him. JK, welcome onto my show. Stefan, it is my pleasure to be here. And I must say, I'm so surprised that almost 400 episodes in, you Haven't spoken to someone about pornography addiction, so <laughs> I'm honored to be the person who the first person to do this who takes exactly. the virginity of the show when it comes <laughs> to talking about pornography. Ooh, that's
1: what, right? <laughs> that's what, that's what. I think the uh, the
0: reality is, uh,
1: maybe it's too close to home, uh, in all fairness. Uh, this, you know, that could very well be. Um, but having said that, I mean, uh, it is we're living in funny times, and man are supposed to be vulnerable men are supposed to be um, all these these kind of we have all these labels being put upon us and and putting them onto us Uh, and sometimes uh, not sometimes a lot of men nowadays Mm. are completely confused with regards to masculinity what is a man who is a man what defines a man Mm. and My problem really is, I mean, it is, I was, I was defined by role models when I was younger, which were just shit, Um, really shitty male role models, uh, which taught me that uh, a a man defines himself by the amount of women that he can conquer. Um, Mm. Those kind of things. That's what a real man does. Um, Quite must... uh, I want to say masculine toxicity, uh, or toxic masculinity, mm. however you look at it. Uh, it uh, at the same token, it was what it was. These were the 70s and 80s. Um, mm. So therefore, I mean, just that as a preamble, that is where I will be coming from. Um, what was your story? Where did you uh, fall prey? And why do you do you label
0: yourself um, mm. uh, with the label of porn addiction? Mm this is a great question the first thing i'll address is the label Mm. the truth is that i only use the label because it is something that the general public and men who struggle with this behavior can relate to Um, because we come from a culture thankfully western culture there's at least a culture of helping people with addiction and a lot of other cultures it is not it is not addressed. Mm. Um, so I have my thoughts on the label of an addict, but we, we can get into that later. Mm. My story is uh, I'm 39 years old, and I first came across pornography when I was about eight years old. So my parents were in the medical field traveling, and I stayed at home. And we had a family member, like an older cousin, who was a nanny, and she took care of us. Um now I was, and this was the early '90s. I was a big comic book fan. I loved comics, and um, I'd read every comic, any graphic novel. I would grab it, and I I saw her reading a comic book, but she wouldn't let me read it. And I didn't understand why would an adult not let me, a child, read a comic book? I mean, like, I mean, when you're done with it, share the love, right? <laughs> So I determined that I was going to read that. I've always been a voracious reader, Stefan. Oh. Oh. So she was staying in a room with us in the house and I, I found it under her bed. I was like, why would she even hide this under her bed? So I pull it out and I open it and it's a pornographic comic, <laughs> right? It has a whole theme. And the theme of this, Stefan, was a young man gets engaged It starts off innocent enough, showing the story of a young man growing up, his loving family, his mother passes away and his dad raises him. So he goes off and he gets married, he he gets engaged and brings back his beautiful bride to be and introduces her to the father. And then he he leaves the house when he's introduced her to the father to go run some errand. And suddenly it gets very sexual and she's having sex with the father in a very graphic way. And I grew up in a conservative Catholic home so I knew what I was watching was bad and I would get punished. But Stefan when I being eight years old, I didn't have the capacity to be sexually aroused biologically, but I did feel a rush of adrenaline. there was an explosion of chemicals in my brain just that that fear of I'm going to get caught. And they're going to beat the crap out of me. I mean, they're going to whoop me. My dad's going to bring the belt. That was, you know, what we would call abuse now. Uh, but back in the day, that was just how you got disciplined. And um, that rush, that fear of being caught, but also the curiosity of, oh, this is the thing they've been hiding from me, all that. This is this what sex is? That was my education on sex. And here's the thing. Even though I couldn't get aroused, Right after that, because it was such a unique experience, such a visceral, exciting experience, anytime I got into trouble, anytime I felt lonely, anytime I felt sad, anytime that I felt hurt and I wanted to change my emotional state, I would look for something with nudity to change that state, to get that rush that I "Oh, oh, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. And this continued from eight years old all the way through about 13, 14, when I learned how to masturbate. Hmm. And the moment I learned how to masturbate, it seemed that there was now a purpose to those feelings. Oh, there is something pleasurable to this. Hmm. And the pattern continued, except that when I masturbated, there was shame because I grew up in a Catholic home. And from there onwards, every time a girl rejected me, I didn't feel cool as the other masculine boys. I was one of a, the, I was a late bloomer. So while all the other boys were getting chest hair and getting muscles and everything, I still looked like a kid, I would run to porn. And this continued until I became an adult. So in my early twenties, when I went into college, that was when I discovered it was a problem. Because for me, I did not understand what intimacy was women had only one purpose. And that was to satisfy me sexually. That's kind of how I fell into uh, um, pornography addiction. Wow. Wow. I had never heard
1: it spelled out in such a way, but it actually makes a hell of a lot of sense. These, what you experienced uh, was an overwhelming wave of neurochemicals and emotion um, at a very young age. And of course, this would leave such a deep memory scar. Um, and of course, you would always be drawn back to that. Wow. Okay, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. It is interesting. You are, you are from Nigerian background and Malaysian background. Um, mm-hmm. Was at that time when where where were you literally in the world when that occurred? this was growing up in nigeria as right. a child yeah interesting yeah. um is pornography there what was the what was sex uh in that sense uh ubiquitous there or how was it growing up for you there um, you mean the attitude towards sex? The attitude, but also, I mean, I certainly when you when I remember my childhood or, or my younger years, mm-hmm. Playboy, Hustler, those magazines you could easily buy everywhere. Um, it was just normal; they were not even hidden. They were just, un, you know, <laughs> next to the comics
0: <laughs> to be extreme. Um, yeah, was yeah. it?
1: Is it similar in Nigeria?
0: Um, not really. It was no. a conservative society. Um, so you didn't you didn't see that all over the place, but you right. could go to certain stores mm. and you would see that. You could go to the barber shop, you could see that. Right. Um, you know, ultimately, what I found over the years is that the access to it um, doesn't matter that much mm. because the moments mm. that somebody has an attachment to this behavior they're going to find a way to be mm. exposed to it. So I, I'll speak to guys who say, well, you know, like there was Hustler, Playboy, all of this stuff was was around me um, and I grew up with it or my dad would leave it lying around in different places and also speak to guys who were like, I never saw it, mm. but somebody in school would bring, bring a Playboy around and we, we would pass it around and take it home and so on. Um, so for the individuals who are predisposed to this, um it doesn't really matter culturally how much pornography was around because stefan i'm sure there are people that you grew up with who also uh exposed to the same things you were but perhaps sexually their life may not have taken the same direction that yours Mm. did is that fair to say well very
1: much so very much Mm. so um Having said that, I'm I'm trying to distinguish the the role of pornography or pornographic material um, in the bigger scheme of core beliefs and and the way I was introduced to women. Um, uh, It struck a chord with me when you said that women for you were there to pleasure you. Um, So it was basically uh, objectification, um, so to speak, of women. How did that translate into relationships um, as a teenager? How did it? Um, did uh, forget the pornography for a moment? How was your? How did you see yourself as a as a young growing man in such a relationship?
0: Yeah, those years were were very painful for me. Bearing in mind that adolescence is the time when you start forming your sense of identity as oh. a man. You've already gained, built the foundation, the template from what you've seen about masculinity growing up from uncles, aunts, the, the men around you, mm. television and so on. Mm. But adolescence is where it is, it is really beginning to be built up. There's so much uncertainty. There are so many hormones. And um, the emotions can take you anyway. Um, for me, there was a lot of fear. And one of the things I do with clients when I speak with them is we try to identify a specific emotion they can use to define Mm -hmm. their adolescence. Mine was fear and frustration because Mm -hmm. we can't remember all the details as we get older, but we can certainly remember the emotions, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like for you, what would be one emotion that you remember from your adolescence, Stefan? Hard to say, I was already thinking that the moment
1: you actually said that <laughs> yeah. uh, you mentioned that word, it's very hard. Uh, with hindsight, um, fear, very much so. But uh, again, I, at the age of 13, at a very young age, I became the, the victim of a gang assault. Um, mm. So from then on, it was I was Rambo. So I was mm. basically post-traumatic stress programmed from the word go. So fear is a negative term uh ready to fight uh okay. anxious high levels of anxiety i think that would be that would be how
0: i would phrase that and, and then that of, would probably be the frame that, of your of your adolescence yeah yeah very, very much, much so. so yeah yeah i can see how that would happen if you experienced mm-hmm. um some sort of physical abuse physical or trauma yeah. at a young age when you can't really process it mm-hmm. um but case, again it- from yeah, this case right. onwards, I mean, it's what
1: you're describing to me, though, is is that you escaped um, into in your reality uh, with the help of pornography, which is exactly what I did later on with regards to alcohol. And so many of us do, do with other things. So we can escape for a moment the boredom, the trauma, the pressure, the anxiety, the negative emotions we can switch it off with whatever is laid down in our memory system at an early age. And in your case, that was pornography.
0: Absolutely. And in terms of relationships, I think it's fair to say that my relationship was with pornography. When you think of the things that define a relationship, the needs, pornography provided those needs, when I was hurt, and I needed to express an emotion like anger or frustration, yeah. I would go and find pornography that was violent in nature, something that could make me feel that somebody was being punished for that. When I needed to be comforted, I would go and find a genre like yeah. that. Yeah. So what people may not understand is, is during those teenage years when people are overly dependent on it, and I wanna make it clear, uh, personally, I am not against pornography. It is not a part of my life right now, but it's been around since the beginning of time. Mm. And I'm under no illusions. I'm not here as some, you know, calling like, oh, we're going to stop porn. (laughs) No, I'm not (laughs) anti-pornography, but I am um, anti-using it as a crutch in your life and learning that there are better tools and learning that you are the best expert at yourself and learning that within you, There's so much more that you can tap into joy and love and connection. I didn't have those things. And pornography became the thing I built a relationship with. When your relationship is with pornography, when you are in the presence of a real woman, well, porn doesn't have intimacy. It is you being a spectator in other people's connection that is not real. It is an act. Uh, so same. when you are in the presence of somebody, yeah. how, when you have watched more porn than you've had sex, how can you truly expect to have a healthy sexual experience with a woman? Or oh, intimacy? Ooh, very nicely said. Ooh, very good.
1: Um, And of course, you need to then talk about the insecurity that leads you to actually be in this place in the first instance, there is Absolutely. there is no June, no no uh, teenager I've ever mm-hmm. met or will ever meet um, who has not felt out of place, uh, not connected, all those kind of things that nowadays get uh, get get pigeonholed into anxiety disorder, etc. Uh, what well, that is, I think, to a normal de- to a certain degree, a normal response. Of us trying to understand the world uh, with all the hormones that are rushing through us. Um, having said all that, um, the, the insecurities, of course, then translate also into your communication with the other, uh, with the other or the same sex. Whatever it is, it doesn't really matter if uh, what your yeah. what your what your taste is or what you yeah. get drawn to. Um, it's the lack of communication. And that mm. is often so difficult. Um, and it, you see that again and again, in, is I had uh, multiple, many partners, um, mm. due to whatever reasons. Um, and I would say, half of these that the women that I was together with never had an orgasm prior to meeting me because there was never the communication with their respective mm. partners to actually express their desires, their wishes, their, uh, their, their, their needs, all that. We are very bad in communicating full stop period. Um, that's why so many relationships go down the, the gurgler. Uh, we can't actually talk. And that's certainly when it then comes to sex. Um, it's even more difficult because you get the whole taboo kind of thing around it so here you were um may i ask was there a particular uh part of porn that was drawing you or
0: was it uh was just anything sexual that's a good question it was anything Mm. at that point um due to the limited access that i had Mm. i would i would use whatever i had but when I got access to you know, high-speed internet, then yeah, exactly. I had the opportunity <laughs> to become a connoisseur of different genres. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <Yeah.
1: laughs> just as much as they are like wine connoisseurs. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, priceless. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Was, were you more drawn to the fringes or were you more drawn to, to, to just a certain type of women?
0: it escalated all the way it escalated um i tell clients that i if if you've done it and experienced shame um i've probably watched it as well right um and that's the nature of that's the nature of a compulsive behavior with pornography yeah. um basically you the first thing is to realize that if you have or have had a problem with pornography in this lifetime then it is a fact that you have viewed more naked people having sex than every single one of your ancestors who existed before you. (laughs) That is a fact. That is an objective truth. Uh, True. Um, Which means that you are way past whatever would be considered vanilla pornography. And there's nothing like vanilla pornography, like just missionary position. Now, everything starts off like really just at the highest level of intensity right away. And The more you view it, the more you become desensitized to it. And you need increasingly more taboo, more novel Mm -hmm. types of pornography in order to experience the same level of orgasm. And that continues over and over again. So whatever you would call the fringes, well, the fringes today with pornography are no longer the fringes. They're more like the norm. Um, Or whatever the fringe the fringes 50, are, are worse. Fifty Shades of Grey,
1: you know, uh, BDSM yeah. uh, in the past. Oh my God, these are weirdos. They would burn the
0: theater down <laughs> if that was
1: what <laughs> played in the eighties or the nineties. <laughs> there you go. The and now it's normal. I, there's, you know, I, I work in a hospital. Virtually every woman in that hospital has read Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, uh, touche. Okay. Sure. out of interest. Do you think Fifty Shades of Grey, a book like that, is that pornography?
0: What is actually pornography? Well, I I've, I have not I have not read the book. Mm. I watched the first movie and I mm. laughed through <laughs> entire. <laughs> I thought it was a comedy. Um, I don't know what this says about me. I just found it hilarious. Um, uh, and I I think the interesting thing is um, whoever put that movie together tried very very hard to translate something which is in a woman's imagination into onto the big screen. Mm. And I think the biggest allure of the book was the fact that women were free to imagine what their version of a billionaire was mm. and to imagine the tension and a creation in their own mind. Even with pornography addiction, um, it manifests quite differently in women than it does with men. Mm. But what is pornography? I would say the definition has changed. The definition I would like to use today is anything any image. And and the reason why I'm saying that it has changed is because if you were to get on social media today with something like Instagram hmm. There are just so many new things with TikTok and all of this and men get addicted to this and OnlyFans. I would say anything that causes somebody to be sexually aroused without their permission can be considered to be pornography. Mm -hmm. And a good way to explain this and the negative impact of pornography with this definition Mm -hmm. would be understand that any image which a person who is illiterate, a person who may not have all their mental faculties, they're not fully mentally developed, and a child can view and understand instinctively what it is mm-hmm. and have a reaction to it yeah. is pornography. And it is also not consensual. This is very important. When we think of what we are exposing children to because it affects what we call their arousal templates right but that would be my 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 definition of pornography today and if you were to ask me two years from now it might change slightly absolutely yeah
1: that's a tricky one isn't it uh just to actually think about it because our societal norms have changed so much um with the uh increasing i don't know something has significantly changed. Um, There was, when I was a younger man, we had um, had amazing parties. And these parties obviously uh, often ended up in, in sexual acts, but it was all consensual. It was all beautiful. It was actually... Uh, just lovely times when young men and women explored their horizons and explored their mm. their relationships. So that is what I remember as, uh, as a, you know, in my early 20s. Mm. Nowadays, when I look uh, at my two young sons who are in the early 20s, from a very early age on, people have sent, uh, people as in women, girls have sent them boot pics, uh, more explicit things, dick pics, um, 80% of their, their mates have sent dick pics around. This mm. is crazy for me to actually see that. So there is a complete change in societal norm from something that you would never do in, 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 in the, the 80s, even one generation ago, um, is now the norm. So therefore, Absolutely. we need to actually say, well, okay, so if if everyone is showing their bits, so hang on. What's then pornography? So, the the, the hustler pictures or or an actually quite tasteful nude picture. Well, is that pornography or is that actually art? So, huh? How do you answer that? What's the difference between uh, tasteful art and pornography?
0: Absolutely. This is a great question. Um, I try, I, I, Factually speaking, not factually speaking, actually speaking, I try not to stray into that realm. Right, I try to stray not not to stray into that realm. I think there is art. Art does not have the purpose of evoking a purely primal emotion from somebody, like pure arousal, right? Uh-huh. If you yeah. look at a piece of art and the emotion it brings up is just pure arousal, uh-huh. what is artistic about it? Uh Okay. Yeah, That's what good. is what is a, a more subtle emotion, right? Yeah. We, we're in dangerous territory already trying to define something with art, Sheesh. right? But what is a more subtle emotion that is brought out? you can look at a piece of art that depicts war and you can look at that piece of art and you can see violence you can see sadness you can see heartbreak you can see many things but if we look at something that is erotic in nature and it does not contain perhaps beauty perhaps intimacy perhaps loss or something you know loss of innocence yeah. Then we could say if it doesn't have any of those things, I think it would be fair to say that it is pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a dick pic does not depict any of those <laughs> those things. <laughs> when it, exactly. When, <laughs> when it is sent when it is sent out, you know. I think when we look at the reality of pornography today, is that it is mostly digital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It is easily accessible. True you have the ability to be anonymous while viewing it because back in the day you had to get in a bus or in a train go across town go to the place where they sell it mm, hide it exactly. bring it back and then you know make, move it around around your home to make sure people didn't find it mm. now anybody can pull up their phone and they can access whatever they want to mm. anonymously and no one would ever know um, those qualities, Uh, make it I think we've moved past the question of of what is pornography Mm. right I think if we start delving into the impact pornography has had on people how normalized it is um, we will see that a lot of the issues that are happening and impacting society um, have a lot to do with pornography When we talk about the declining rates of in the United States, there are statistics that show that young people are having less and less actual sex, or at least they're reporting less and less sex, which is interesting Mm -hmm. when you consider the fact that everything in the United States seems to be sexualized. Or you look at a place like (laughs) Japan, which has a very high pornography use, and they cannot get the young people in Japan to get into relationships and have sex with each other it's just no longer part of the culture <laughs> all of these That's- things have one thing in common all these cultural trends have one thing in common everybody who was in the statistics watch watches pornography now one cannot do a study in a high school they tried to do one i think it was philip zimbardo he i forgot the name of his book but okay. philip zimbardo tried to do a study where they um Looking for high school students to study them long term to find out um, the differences in development and attitudes towards the opposite sex and different things in society uh, between those who had watched pornography and those who hadn't. They couldn't find <laughs> a single control person. group. Yeah, who <laughs> hadn't? Who d- didn't watch pornography regularly? <laughs> so they can't even do that. They can't. They can't even create a control group. It does that? Does the same apply for girls? Um, I think, yes, it, I think that has become quite
1: acceptable, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I think on a uh, on a lesser scale, you know, when I started my practice, um, I started this 11 years ago, but it was about seven years ago that I put my face out there and I stopped doing it anonymously and started mm-hmm. talking about this. Um, I started working with female clients and within mm-hmm. the first month of doing so, I stopped because their issues were a lot more complex For men, it was cut and dry. Cut and dry means I could figure out whether you have a problem with pornography because of unresolved issues, something Mm. traumatic, because you were simply using it to deal with stress or strong emotions, or you were using it to medicate loneliness and isolation, Mm. you know, a lack of intimacy. With women, it was often due to something more complex. And I think women's sexual templates, uh, I'm generalizing here, is a lot more complex than that mm-hmm. of men right their, their um, interests their, their their interests in different genres changes and it doesn't change because they are tired of one genre. Mm-hmm. It just changes because their emotional state changes and at mm-hmm. different level, different stages in their life um, when they're more curious when they're young and uh, uh, experimenting sexually they have lots of tastes. Mm -hmm. As they get to a certain age where they feel like, oh, well, you know what? I'm done with the partying and I'm looking to settle down. When they're in that phase, their sexual tastes and their taste in pornography genres changes. Mm -hmm. When they are in a marriage and they feel that it's getting a little bit stale, he's working, he's building, the sex has dropped, I'm not sure about my body. They may have a return to the experimental stage Mm -hmm. and... It anything goes from there depending on how their relationship progresses. Mm. That's a beautiful, beautiful sequence of, of transitions that you have painted uh-huh.
1: there. And it's very uh-huh. logical, isn't it? But it also it it um we are looking at at pornography as something really dirty, as something nasty, as something destructive. Yet uh-huh. at the same token, can it not also be something positive for a woman? who is maybe uh, very shy to now start exploring her body and maybe developing a a more self-conscious part of herself with the help of pornography. Is that not something good?
0: Mm. I like where you're going with this, (laughs) Stefan. I think on the contrary, I don't think we're looking at, at it as something that's bad or dirty. Hmm. I don't think it's actually something bad or dirty. Isn't that interesting? So it's interesting how there's a natural tendency sometimes to just assume that because we're talking about the negative impact of something, that that thing itself, in essence, Hmm. is bad and dirty. While pornography may no longer in its current incarnation be viewed as anything artistic, it doesn't mean that it's not without benefits. Hmm. So for instance, with my clients... When they begin working with me, I encourage them as they deal with their definition of pornography and what mm. it's done to their life to write a thank you and goodbye letter to pornography, <laughs> to sort of personify yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. And it could be, in summary, something that looks like. Um, you know, Thank you, pornography, for being there for me in a time when I was young, alone, mm. and confused mm. about sex. Thank you for satisfying my curiosity about many things. Mm. Thank you for showing me where to actually put my penis because the textbooks didn't do it justice. <laughs> thank you for showing me that there were all kinds of beautiful people in the world and that I could go out there and have experiences with varied people. Thank mm. you for teaching me all these things. And then it goes into the goodbye letter. But unfortunately, as wonderful as you have been to me, the things you have taught me, the times you've comforted me, the great orgasms I've had with you, you have outstayed your welcome. I am now (laughs) a man. And instead of actually seeking those things which I was watching, instead of building intimacy and having those amazing experiences, I've started having less and less of them coming back to you and depending longer and longer and longer. Oh. It is time for us mm-hmm. to end this relationship. It is time for me to start seeking in the real world that which I am seeking from you. And, you know, that's a way to acknowledge mm-hmm. the beauty of pornography and what it has done yeah. and move on to something else, or at least moderate the use if somebody doesn't have Uh, a deep compulsion to it Hmm. that's a very good point
1: and i think there is there is there are so many arguments we could go on for hours about the positive Mm. and the negative aspects of it Um, we we should not forget that there is within pornography there is a very very dark side some people say that, that a huge percentage of women are forced into pornography or forced to do pornographic uh, acts uh, in, for reasons whatsoever. Um, that is sort of the one extreme, and no doubt that is occurring. No two ways around it. There's some nasty shit happening there uh, in, in the sen- sense of uh, sexual violence, sexual abuse, um, and women's trafficking, those kind of things. No two ways around it. On the flip side, there is there are women who are finding themselves, who are literally um, becoming uh, fans only, um, Quotation mark stars, uh making some money out of it, but also developing their sexuality, um, taking pride in in showing off their body and maybe even performing sexual acts um whilst actually bringing some money home. Um yeah. which can be very empowering. And it sounds yeah. stupid, but I actually know women like that, um, who um who started off making the worst, uh, the, the best out of a worst situation or a bad situation, um, but who then actually defined themselves and say, well, actually, that is, I'm having fun here. And I'm growing yeah. here. So it is very, very hard. We are talking, we're not whitewashing or blackwashing something. Um, uh-huh. It is it is a very nuanced situation. But I think coming back to where we started off with, what you're, the way you are looking at things is, is more uh, that what the pornography does to the man and how their behavior, their relationship with themselves changes and uh, how they become maybe less of the ideal being, less of the person that they could be. Uh, and more of a escapist and escape artist, so to speak, from their own life.
0: Absolutely. Hmm. I love what you said about the the idea of of women being empowered by things like this, you know, the dichotomy there. Um, and that is the way of the world, right? right. And on one hand, like you said, There is sex trafficking that is happening. There are women who are coerced into this. And I have met women too who have been, their lives have been changed financially. They Mm. have achieved freedom. Even their self esteems have been improved. Mm. Um, through pornographic sex work let's mm-hmm. just call it what it is with with only fans right mm-hmm. and i think i actually think it's a good thing that the taboo has been lifted i don't see it as a bad thing mm-hmm. i actually think that right now what is happening is um fortunately or unfortunately for a lot of women it is becoming a rite of passage right mm-hmm. to, to to you know OnlyFans and then suddenly all your values kick in and you're like, this doesn't work for me. Mm. But also the reality behind all of this is that, um, you know, for the men, like you said, they have become escapists. Another thing that's happening is a lot of their values are being eroded, right? Uh, There's less of an ability to identify the qualities that they want in women because their subconscious mind is constantly bombarded With sexual images Mm -hmm. whether they like it or not they can they can give you know they can say like oh you know i I want this type of woman this is what i look for in a woman all these things it will eventually come down to sex because on the surface while that is what you say your subconscious spends more time in a highly excited state viewing pornography that has different type of women So it always always comes down to that. And some people will always argue, well, well, that's what it's always been about, sex, and so on and so forth. On the other hand, that's the impact it has on men, Um, not to mention things like porn-induced erectile dysfunction. And there are a few other issues like porn-induced homosexual obsessive-compulsive disorder, where a man has watched so much pornography if he identifies as a straight man, that he starts watching gay pornography or pornography with transgender individuals, and he becomes confused about his sexuality, right? Mm. Um, Now, in reality, sometimes these men may be bisexual, Mm. they might be queer, they might be different things, but there are also a lot of men who are neither of those things, and they experience a deep sense of shame because in reality, I sit with men like this, we have conversations, and I ask them simple questions. Um, Would you... If you were on a beach sitting down, a simple question, right? Um, And um, when you sit around, do you you find yourself looking more at the men's bodies or the women's bodies or both? And when I say this, I mean, not looking at a man that has a nice body and saying like, oh, that's a very fit man with a great Mm -hmm. body. Um, But I mean, are you sexually aroused by those things? Mm -hmm. And the men who are struggling with this will say, no, if I do look at a man's body, it is to admire or critique it. But it is not sexual. If I look at a woman's body, it could be to be to admire it without objectifying her. But there's there's more of a chance that I will be sexually aroused mm. by it. I'm like, okay, do you in your fantasies when you listen to music and things like that, and do you imagine yourself being on a romantic date with a man walking down the street holding his hands? Or <laughs> is it mostly a woman? Yeah. They're yeah. like, Well, it, it's mostly a woman. But when you watch pornography. Do some view pornography and masturbate to images or videos of men? And they say yes. And when we go back in their history, we find... ...to straight porn has led them to that, right? That's just one of the impacts on, on men. Suddenly we had to, the sound cutting
1: out. Um mm. Um, and you said uh, when we go back into history, and then we had five seconds pause. Um, that was just bizarre. Yeah. So I believe I was. Can you hear me now? Yes, I hear you well. That, that, that's fine. Uh, so it just came out of the blue that there was no sound. Uh okay. What do you mind? So give it five seconds, and then you restart um, right. uh, again at that point. Is that okay? Yeah. Sure. Cool. Five seconds, and you start.
0: Okay. And when we go back into history, to the history of men who answer that, we find that it's due to progressive desensitization. Hmm. They have desensitized themselves because they were watching straight pornography. They eventually watched it to a point that it all seemed the same to them. Hmm. And the algorithm then showed them something that was gay. And they felt strangely turned on by it. However, that turn on was accompanied by an adrenaline rush because that is taboo you're not supposed <laughs> right, to do it right but right. you are not in a fully conscious state you are sure. in an altered state when you do that and for some men who cannot handle it or who already have ocd this can become very distressing because then they continue to they begin to obsessively and compulsively check out people to check if they're gay i'm checking to see if i'm gay am i am i gay? and this becomes a very big problem now, we don't hear much about it because of the shame that's attached to it. Yeah, they course. cannot talk about it. Um, with the women and OnlyFans, what is happening with pornography is that it has made it easy to commercialize relationships. When I don't know how many members OnlyFans has, but it's I know it's a record-breaking number. Mm. There are millions of people on that site who are making money off it or trying to make money off it. Most don't make anything. Mm. But what that does is that it creates a generation of men who go straight from pornography to OnlyFans. So they're like, well, I can talk to a woman here. I can pay to get access to her because... Um, I don't have to to date her or ask her out, but I, I want to talk to her. So when I go to her Instagram, I'm like, man, she's cute. She's got a nice personality. I saw her TikTok. Let's go to uh, her uh, bio uh, uh, and uh, see if in her biography she has an OnlyFans. Uh, right, right in the comments uh, and social media, it's who's the chick? Does she have an OnlyFans? Uh, but what what's happening on the woman's side, Stefan? Oh dear. On the woman's side, she's being primed to understand that men should pay her for her attention, that men should give her gifts. And how does this impact her relationship in the future? Well, it's already happening because there's a new generation of women who only judge men by their financial capacity. Can you give me money? What can you provide? What kind of man are you? Are you a high value male? And this is with young women. These women are going to get older. They are going to get older. Right now, the value that is put on them by Mm. society is their looks, their sexuality, they're young, and they're vibrant. Mm. And they're being trained to see that the way you make money, there are women out there making $70,000 a month on OnlyFans. 70K, 70,000. There are some who are making 15. There are some Mm. who are making 20. The psychological impact is serious. She has not built up any skill set that can be used anywhere else in the world, except if she chooses to be a high-end prostitute. But she now has the confidence that comes with having a lot of money. Mm. And there's a new generation of women who are making more money. An 18-year-old girl will start making more money from taking her clothes off, Mm. whereas the 18-year-old boy... Well, first of all, he never had a chance in most cases, even without OnlyFans. <laughs> ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Very true. Very but now true. it gets much harder.
1: Uh, <laughs> God, God. If you think about it, this is amazing. And and you could argue uh, all ways uh, back into the, the past because uh, women uh, were always trying to Get the most out of it. I mean, we have I'm in New Zealand here. We've got Jean Batten, a very um, very famous uh female pilot in the early part of the last century. Um, and she basically married and, and got into relationships because uh, okay, this man can finance my next plane, with which I do some heroic things. Um, okay. so let's not be silly here. Um women have always used. Sexuality and have used their body in order to achieve secondary gains uh, or of primary course. gains, for that matter. So, and we all do that. Let's not be silly. You draw upon yeah. your strengths and 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 make money out of them. Um, so, again, there's this, let's not put a a um, some kind of moral issue on it. But you're right. What what you are saying is not issues of morality it is issues of a change within society with expectations with regards to relationships with moving away maybe from a constructive working together relationship between two humans towards a relationship that is based upon maybe more more different values i.e in this case the money uh in this case the, the immediate uh satisfaction um of of the, of coming back to the pornography um i mean what is your attitude towards masturbation then what's your i mean That's if a good we, exactly because i mean masturbation is is such a beautiful thing in my mind um it is stress relieving it is uh, actually uh, one way of of stopping anxiety uh, that is otherwise ravaging you um so what is your what is your thoughts
0: there I have no problems with masturbation mm. unless of course it is done in a compulsive manner mm. so masturbation is a perfectly natural thing and you're right about all the benefits it affords us we are blessed to have a a biochemical system mm. with endogenous opiates where mm. we can release opiates via yeah. orgasm that make us feel so much better mm. however If an individual is not developing coping strategies outside of masturbation, then they have a tendency to rely on the easy fix, which will affect their sex life, which will make it more difficult for them to uh, sustain an erection, which when done compulsively also has an impact on their biochemistry. When we orgasm, we release uh, prolactin, right? Prolactin is makes you lethargic, relaxed. Um, It's released a lot more in women who are nursing, but interestingly enough, it's released in the partners, the male partners of women who are nursing. Mm -hmm. And what it does is that it it keeps the man at home. So he's Mm -hmm. a little bit more relaxed. He gets the dad bod. He's Mm -hmm. chill, but nature has made it that way so that he can stay off and not go bang someone else. Mm -hmm. But men who masturbate um, compulsively enter a situation called prolactemia where they release so much prolactin that it is just circulating in their bloodstreams. So they that feeling you get after orgasm where you're just like, oh, I could just take a nap. Mm. There are men who live in a constant state of this. And it takes a couple of days for their body to reset for the prolactin to leave their bloodstream before they're okay. So we now have more and more men who are having fatigue issues one of the first questions that should be asked is, "Well, how many times do you masturbate a day?" And the individuals <laughs> were just like, "Well, I masturbate compulsively." Now, women, so you know, d- women, define, some, some women define compulsively. Out. Define define a number here for me. Wonderful. Well, it's it's not about a number, right? There are individuals I would masturbate at at the height of it eight nine times a day. Wow. Right. Yeah. So you could call Bloody me hell I, I was. Bloody I was, hell! Your I was penis, penis is I was sore.
1: Yeah, I I see that, but you you must be sore crying out loud. Um, that is, there's only so many so many. And you know. that
0: gets into the answer of compulsive. Yeah. Despite uh, being sore, despite not being aroused, uh, I would continue uh, to engage in the behavior. Same thing with alcohol and anything. Uh, when you keep using, mm, mm. and it is having an impact on multiple domains of your life emotional yep. mental yep. spiritual social yeah and you want to stop but despite wanting to stop yep. you cannot stop and there's one last part that must be added to it that will make it different from a habit and it brings up negative emotions hopelessness exactly. and shame because mm-hmm. you can't yeah then it's compulsive doesn't matter how many times it's just it has gotcha. to have that Perfect.
1: criteria. Perfect, perfect definition. Love it. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Blimey. Um, ha, wow. Okay. So we talked about it, the positive sides of masturbation. Absolutely, no two ways around it. But there are some positive sides to 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 uh, pornography in its own right. And we've established that. Let's talk about not so nice things when it comes to a society and we certainly have got most of the data seems to come from the united states um where you have got a very toxic masculinity there and with that i would define it in such a way that that for example the chance that a woman being raped or misused abused uh is is uh, yeah astronomical, for crying out loud. One in three, one in four, something like that. These are brutal figures. Now, I've never used force in my life on a woman. For me, it's so not understandable. For me, maybe, maybe the one good thing in all the bad role modeling was that it is a conquest. It's not taking it. It's not... It's not plundering. It is basically yeah. a game in which you want to succeed, win. win. Yeah. Exactly. So, and that was maybe the hunt the was was so nice for me. And I became quite good in it. Okay, that's cool. Um yeah. where does that then fit with these figures? Or maybe shall I rephrase that? Is that really an issue of pornography or is that an issue of society that we're seeing?
0: I think it's an issue of society and um pornography is just something that adds fuel to that pornography does have a big impact on the attitude that men have towards women because think about it you have high-speed internet pornography you have multiple genres you now have any tom dick and harry can have access to pornography he views it all the time eventually it's quite natural that he feels entitled to sex And because he has trained himself to view women as objects for his sexual pleasure and because he does not have any intimacy towards them, Mm. he's watching pornography that is no longer vanilla, no longer missionary. It is rough. You go straight to it, especially young men who no longer watch any sort of pornography that involves the seduction process Mm. that is no longer talked about or shown because we also have this issue of me too. Where you cannot show men seducing women the way that it used to be done, you cannot show the aggressiveness of, like, let's say the the, the maybe it's over the top, but the old James Bond, right? Mm. Those you can't because that, that's like, oh no, that's that's you know that is crossing <laughs> the line now. So when you have a society where men do not know how to yeah. court or seduce because there's a risk that they will be accused of some form of sexual harassment. Mm. And they are exposed to pornography more than they ever were. And they feel entitled to women. And women are also, the dynamics have changed where sex is now transactional. And you have a lot of men who are not making that type of money. You get a lot of angry men. Mm. And angry men are still biologically angry men. And they will do the thing that angry entitled men have always done in history. Wow, societal issue fueled by pornography, but we cannot deny that there is a link. Wow. Again, beautifully
1: spun together. Um, mm. It makes a hell of a lot of sense, the way you describe it like that. Um, and that's even getting worse now, because there is a, a self entitlement uh, in of a whole generation uh, period, not even to do with with just sexuality or gender, etc. But there is this kind of no, no, of course, I, I you know, I'm I'm worth it. <laughs> quotation mark. I'm I'm yeah. I'm. Um, oh my goodness. Is there still hope? How the hell can we conquer a billion dollar industry, um, uh, a society that is royally fucked? um uh why the hell are we two sitting here are we not preaching to the converted do you really think that there is a way out
0: absolutely i think the the way i view it is this i i'm not naive Hmm. um i care about society in general but the way that i choose to make an impact is through the individual going nice. back to what you said, nice. it is going back to changing one person, and lighting the spark within that person. And that person takes the, the torch and go goes to light it to another person who is probably mm. fueled, and on and on and on. Mm. And before you know it, slowly, the tide starts changing. Mm. And I, I believe in being very hopeful and optimistic because of the very technology that has brought us here is also the technology that can take us back social media still allows individuals like you and i and other people to communicate and reach mm-hmm. large yeah. groups of people mm-hmm. find their own tribes and influence and they people mm-hmm. of influence everywhere that's the first thing the second thing is also understanding history and i'm a big fan of history And just understanding, and it seems like you are as well, because you understand the cyclical nature of things, right? I'm sure in the 60s and before that, there were different periods where people were also having these conversations, thinking Mm. that our society was damned, all our values were being eroded, Mm. things were becoming transactional, it's free sex everywhere. Exactly. And then it becomes a cycle. Mm. right? It, it comes around again. Society has a, a when you look at history, it has a habit of correcting itself always. There are things that are, are happening. If we see what happened with the pandemic and so on, that we would never imagine that these things would happen within our lifetimes. You go from Spanish flu to mm. our version of it today, mm. these things are happening. So I remain very hopeful that no change is possible but at the same time i also truly believe that a person who has gone through an addictive behavior a compulsive behavior it is always helpful to be in society but not off society mm-hmm. so you are a person who is you are in society you are functioning with people mm-hmm. but mentally spiritually and otherwise you do not have to take on any of these values Right. Also, to be a person who is giving others space to heal, space to discover that they are experts at themselves, you also have to be able to do what we're doing now. These, this conversation is important because it further gives us the skill to be able to look at society and create those neural pathways as we have the conversation as to, like, okay, like we now have more more knowledge it's like a, a broader view because of what we have exchanged and we can see this better and mm. we are gradually able to help people a little bit more so this is the work right here stefan mm. that's what i feel how about you
1: same same here uh it was a devil's advocate question uh it was uh, otherwise i wouldn't be sitting here because i strongly feel that that we actually can make a difference in actual fact, I see it as my duty, as my reason for living now to make mm. sense of the darkness where I have been and show mm. that there is hope, that there is a light, and that it is, it is possible. And it's not mm. just possible, it is actually likely, provided you surround yourself by people who know more about about the the issues that are that you're facing, uh, than you so you want to have a power team, where you are the dumbest member of the team. Um, So let yourself be guided by a coach by uh, by medical personnel, if necessary, by whoever is needing to come into your life to Uh allow you to develop and transform into the new, better version of yourself. And I believe when when we do that, when we allow others in, so the power of connection with the right people, and then the power of taking small but measurable steps uh, every single day, every single hour, moment in time, that is delivering us the power of, of compound interest. So yeah. you're making one good decision, which suddenly makes you feel good. And the shame and guilt falls a bit by the wayside. And then you think, oh, okay, that feels good. I make another step in the right direction, and you make five steps the right direction, and then you stray, and you go two steps back. Hey, that's 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 life. But that's think- the way it's done. I love it <laughs> exactly. So this path is meandering, but once you actually put your mind to it and stop being this this kind of 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 oh, animal on the hamster wheel that just keeps going, 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 and where the the external influences and maybe internal influences are left unchecked. Once you actually start taking control, then transformation is not just possible, but highly likely. Uh And it's just a matter of how you harness that energy that is waiting to burst out that clearly now is bursting out because you're escaping the reality, you're escaping um, whatever is happening in your life. Let that energy build up and think, well, instead of using pornography, instead of using the alcohol, instead of using mindless sex, um, uh, okay, what else is there? How else can you grow? Is that really who I want to be? And I think that is once we start asking these questions and then align ourselves with a new tribe, in this case, for example bringing you on board as a coach um suddenly you can break through suddenly yeah. all these these shackles are just falling off and where you think wow uh, i never thought i could do that by just being open and by actually listening shutting up and listening to someone else who has been there done that uh is uh, there is a tremendous freedom waiting for people out there and i think that is that is the the key message that I want to bring out in this show. And that's exactly what you are doing. In fact, you have you have created a system that helps Mm -hmm. men. Tell us a bit about that.
0: The system is called, um, well, before we even go into that, I just love everything you said, because it literally embodies my mission as well. So it's always a wonderful thing to connect with a like-minded soul on this <laughs> like i, I once I, found, I was like okay the energy is here like i feel it it's flowing <laughs> out from his being that's great no that's that was lovely um um i run a company called elevated recovery and our flagship program is called uh the porn reboot program for those who are watching there's a the little p with the reset button And the reason that we we use the term reboot is is very simple. We have a lot of men who come through what we call traditional recovery, which is wonderful and works for so many people and has been so helpful in my freedom from my addictive behavior. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there are some men who are stuck in this mindset that they must recover that which they lost to their addictive behavior. They must recover the intimacy, the relationships, the man, the ideal, mm-hmm. but for some men, mm-hmm. there is nothing to recover because if they were an addict through their 20s, mm-hmm. now that they are in their 40s, their 50s and trying to free themselves, mm-hmm. they—it it is not, you're not the same person. That mm-hmm. moment has passed. It will never come back. All you have to choose from is what you have mm-hmm. here in front of you today. Mm-hmm. And for some men, I've seen it in 12-step groups, in therapy, they just never seem to be able to break free. And in 12-step groups, I would always be interested in that one guy in the room who was always relapsing but had come for, he had been coming there for 20 years. I was most interested in that guy because I was like, why? Mm. Why? Because I was deep, first of all, I was deeply afraid of becoming him. And so when I became free from my behavior, I became free, not just because of recovery, but because at one point I decided that I'm not going to try to recover anything. I'm not going to try to recover what my sponsor said I should recover. He tells me, this is an ideal life, you're an addict. So here's what an ideal life is for you. Get married, be a good boy, uh, don't don't chase too many crazy dreams. Don't get too colorful because you might relapse. Be very careful, straight and narrow, one day at a time, right? Once an addict, always an addict. And I was like, fuck that. Not fuck that in, it doesn't work. It's just like it wasn't going to work for me. So I decided I was going to hit the reset button, hence the term reboot. And I was going to destroy everything completely and begin from the bottom I would rebuild my self-image because Stefan and to those of you listening, freedom for some does not come from letting go of the behavior. You can let go of a behavior with the right habits. Wonderful. Uh Then you make those habits a part of your lifestyle. That's great. But that's where a lot of programs stop. Uh Live the lifestyle of somebody in sobriety. But there is something else beyond that. And that is your self-image which is formed by the memory of your traumas, which was formed by so many things that happened to you. And until you change the yeah. self-image, what you're doing in therapy with your psychiatrist, working on yeah. the parts, sub, sub-personalities, schema, whatever you want to call it, is all about changing the self-image. Yeah. When you reboot the self-image, however long that takes, everything changes. And that's what we do at our flagship program yeah. called Porn Reboot. So we have therapists, psychiatrists, doctors. I, myself, I am the head coach and the founder. We've been around for 11 years. Um, And you can just Google us, JK, last name E-M-E-Z-I, and search for porn reboots. Um, And as with everything that has to do with freedom from an addictive behavior, I want to make this clear on the podcast. I have a, a phrase, assume bullshit. What does this mean? It means that when you are seeking freedom from a behavior like this, you are sometimes in a vulnerable state. Mm -hmm. You are sometimes in a very desperate state. Mm -hmm. You don't need to rush into anything. Your slips and your relapses will keep happening. It's okay. Like rushing into a program or something today does not mean immediate freedom. It may mean temporary relief, but I encourage everybody to do their research. Pick up a copy of my book. It's called Seven Secrets of Porn-Free Men. I will warn you, it's more of a pamphlet than a book, but it will educate you on my system. Get comfortable with it. I have a a YouTube channel called Porn Reboots and I have a podcast with about uh, just over 500 episodes called the Porn Reboot Podcast. So check it out, learn more about me and then maybe it's your jam, maybe not.
1: Beautiful, and guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video and of the podcast because you get all the links of JK there. JK, you're an amazing man. Um, I I feel privileged that you have come onto my show. I truly, I truly do. Uh, and uh, you, with it was such an open and honest discussion we had today, um, uh, and hopefully with that we could show others that whilst there is a bit of shame guilt taboo and maybe a lot of it in your life out there guys when you're listening uh the reality is once you once you're open about it uh, once you name it you can tame it once you're actually um willing once you're open to to honesty and to actually authenticity, integrity. Once you actually th- th- take these words and really look them up, and sort of think, "Huh, okay, what's really happening in my life?" Once you're willing to do that, and then, as I said, find find a group of people that allow you to become a different, maybe better version of yourself the where the transformation is waiting to happen and it's it's just waiting it's literally it's waiting and you've got the power Absolutely. to do so. it right. exactly. it's there
0: exactly there so the past there.
1: the past does not equal the future full uh-huh. stop period so do fair. not do not take anything for granted um doesn't matter genetic disposition doesn't matter your past right now you can make changes Love jk it. You're an amazing man. I can't wait to see who you become in a year's time, in two years time, because you are growing, you're transforming. So who knows? Brilliant. So thank thank you. Thank you for coming onto this show.
0: I appreciate you having me and also want to just compliment you on um, just your demeanor as a host. I think you are doing an amazing thing. And it's just good to see the different areas you took this conversation. You have an amazing ability to be very flexible, very thoughtful, and very good at exploring certain areas, just pushing a little bit, but you also know where to draw the line. And I think think that's, I noticed that about you. And I love that as a skill. That's something you, it it only comes with years and years of experience, being able to just push it. It's like, okay, that's cool. Like I pushed it enough. So wonderful instincts, uh, a wonderful mission. And uh, I got to pick up a copy of your book, for sure. <laughs> now that I have one. Uh,
1: thank you very much. And whilst I'm there, let me put a plug in. Uh, you see behind me, there, not there, steps <laughs> the sobriety that's the cover of the second edition um as we are recording that it is august um by the time this interview airs towards the end of september we are coming close to the release date of my third edition so it's beautiful guys you will check out my social media you will see some of the things coming through and we're probably in the in the pre uh pre-sale uh in the pre-order uh time for the new version so there you go guys brilliant jk you're in Amazing man, look after yourself and you guys out there. Look after yourself as well and live with passion. Bye. Bye.
0: I never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn around.